Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to the PeteCallanerShow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. So trying to find trying to find the ruling on the voter ID state Supreme Court uh, ruling that just came down. Be, oh, sorry, uh, just because the the uh, there's a couple different there are a couple different lawsuits uh, over the voter ID in North Carolina, which you'll recall. I mean, it's been years. Voter ID was originally attempted by Republicans like a decade ago. We voted on voter ID as a constitutional amendment. What was it? Five years, six years, seven years? I don't even remember. It's been a very, very long time. And then once we voted for it, the, the legislature then began crafting the the rules for, you know, what kinds of IDs would be acceptable and all that. And then they got sued and sued again. They just keep getting sued by these left-wing groups, which, by the way, just as a, as a note here, Larry Shaheen he points out that this is the end of the line now for, uh, for Mark Elias and Eric Holder. You know, their, their uh, redistricting project, right? That's the, like, this is the end of the line. This is now done for them because the state Supreme Court only got this question because the U.S. Supreme Court kicked it down to the states. And so uh, they were not able to make this argument stick. They almost did. I mean, think about it. They almost did. Had Democrats performed better in the state judicial races and maintained the state Supreme Court majority, right? they would have set new law. They would have those judges, those four judge, uh, four judges on the state supreme court, the Democrats at the time. They would have they would have made policy on redistricting, and we would be we would be living with all of these stupid tests, all of these these like data permutations about where the lines get drawn and all of this, and trying to make sure that you you know pass the camel through the eye of the needle in order to placate a judge. It just ridiculous so if you want if you want to try to you know measure and then mitigate partisan gerrymandering create some standards that are replicatable that you can you can repeat over and over and over again let's see now the voter id um overrules decision this is that's the map see everybody's focusing on the maps i'm just looking here at all of the stories that are being uh, produced here, and uh, everybody is really focusing on the maps because there is a national component here as well, which I failed to mention also, but the national component here is that this means the legislature is going to be redrawing the maps. And that mean, and by the way, this, like, something I keep telling the lefties, like, you guys, demographic patterns shift over time. And so the more you keep suing and letting the legislature controlled by Republicans keep drawing new maps, right? They get to keep accounting for the demographic shifts because like, this is how Republicans ended up beating you on your own maps in 2010 was because the, the, 
you know, people move the migration patterns in state, but also, you know, people coming from other states, the migration patterns change. And um, and when that when that happens, you know, the maps that used to be giving you a sure certain seat now doesn't do so. But when you keep suing and keep getting maps redrawn, you keep getting these resets and it helps entrench that party longer. So what's going to happen now at a congressional level, right? So we're going to have legislative seats redrawn, but the at a congressional level, we have 14 seats in North Carolina, right? 14 congressional seats, and um, they will now be redrawn. Jeff Jackson got one, Wiley Nickel got the other. These were the two gifts that um, that Democrats got from the, quote, special masters when they redrew the maps, if I recall. Um, and so, you know, Jeff Jackson got the uh, consolation prize of being a member of Congress rather than losing to Ted Budd in the U.S. Senate race. He bowed out in order to let uh, Sherry Beasley, you know, have a clear run at the, uh, uh, at the, in the general. So Jeff Jackson in the 14th, uh, he's, you know, he's on the chopping block. Wiley Nichols on the chopping block up in the Wake area, I believe. And so they could, but but that's just that would just take it from a seven seven split to a nine, uh, what a, a fourteen nine five split, right? Could be a, they could go as far as a ten four, maybe even an eleven three Republican advantage, which means what? That I mean that's like a four seat swing, right? You we could end up seeing the Republicans. In Congress, in the House, you know, McCarthy's got this very small five-seat majority right now. He could tack on a couple extra seats in the next election cycle. I mean, it could happen. I don't know. We'll see who the nominees are and all the candidates and everything like that. But if they redraw the districts and they give themselves an 11-4 to split. And that's not fair, Democrats will say, right? That's not fair. We need to have what? Proportional representation? No, no, no. They don't want to make that argument because then they're they're hoisted on their own petard on that one in the states that they control more area, right? They don't so they don't want proportional representation. <laughs> they don't want to do that. But they just want they want this nebulous standard of quote fair maps because fair maps in their minds mean maps where they win. That's it. And they'll know it when they see it. Let me get John on. Hello, John. Welcome to the program. How are you? Hey, Pete, great. Hey, it was great seeing you the other night, by the way. That was a great event. Uh, well, thanks for coming. Forward, yeah, yeah absolutely. Hey, hey it, it, it is so refreshing to read these uh, court cases and, and, and Supreme, uh, Justice Newby basing it on the Constitution instead of judges' feelings and what they wish the law said. I mean... This is a new day in North Carolina, and hopefully we'll, we'll go for decades now uh, with these constitutional judges that are, are, you know, sitting back and saying, hey, that's not our job to make laws. Right. You know, it's clear in the North Carolina Constitution what our role is, and, and we're going to stick to it. And, you know, I mean, you know, one of the uh, things that in the last four years, the Judicial Victory Fund was created just to focus on these statewide judicial races and to get 
conservative constitutional judges elected. And I, I mean, that is paying off dividends now. Uh, right. And I'm I, just so excited to hear these rulings. Yeah. And I think that the um, when the Republicans started doing so well in the legislative races back in the Obama era. Right. You remember that when. Uh, Obama, I mean, great for Obama, but like in all of these states, <laughs> the Democrats were getting wiped out. Uh, and so uh, the the response then from the left, and we saw it here in North Carolina with the Blueprint NC, right? It was the it was the sue till blue. It, it was lawfare. And you just go to court and you just sue, 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 and you make as many arguments as you can just to kind of paint Republicans as racists and such. And if you win a couple of the cases, fantastic. But the important thing is that we get to call our opponents racist and lawyers get paid. Um, Josh Stein. You want to hear what Josh Stein, have you heard his statement on the on these rulings? You want to hear it? Oh, I have not. All I right. can imagine. Here it is. <laughs> he went onto the Twitter machine and he says, The court's ruling in Harper v. Hall today is a devastating blow to democracy. Our Constitution is supposed to be a check on the power of the legislature, but these Republican justices have surrendered that role, taking power away from the people and giving it to an out-of-control, gerrymandered Republican supermajority in the legislature. I will not stop fighting so the voters choose their representatives and not the other way around. Now, I wonder, does you think Stein knows that the judges that decided this, they were all elected statewide just as he was? Statewide and just recently, so they are <laughs> right. the most recent uh, expression from the people of what they want. And I mean, literally, they've been there six months. The, you know, the election just happened. Right. This is obviously is the direction that the North Carolina voters wanted to go in. It is pretty amazing how um, the, the expression of the will of the voters in the judicial races is somehow not proof of democracy working um, in the minds of these guys, like they, I wonder if I if I could ban that phrase. This is what you know, the, our uh, or an attack on our democracy, and well, maybe just our democracy. If I could just get rid of that term from their lexicon, I wonder what arguments they would actually be left to make. <laughs> anyway, well, then they uh, they just revert back to uh, we're disenfranchising uh, the poor and minorities. Yes. Yeah, of course. Yes, that that is a standby. You are correct. John, I appreciate it, buddy. Good to see you the other night, and have a great weekend. Yes, sir. Um, Yeah, well, this is the story that Hal Weatherman told, right? When he and uh, former Lieutenant Governor Dan Forrest went to that conference, the gathering, the original 13 colonies went up to uh, Philadelphia, and Terry McAuliffe and Ed Rendell, two Democrat governors, thought that um, Dan Forrest was a Democrat because they knew Cooper had just won, but Cooper couldn't attend, so Dan Forrest went. And Dan Forrest was the LG. And they assumed, because in their states, the, the governors and lieutenant governors are, are the same. They're on the same slate, you know. And, uh, and so they started talking to him as if he was a Democrat. And that's where they told him that they're going to sue. They're going to keep suing over the maps. And it doesn't matter if they win. They flat out told him this. That the point is to call their opponents racist. That's it. That was the whole point. That was the whole political strategy. And if you win some of the race, if you win some of the lawsuits, fantastic. It's gravy, but it's not required. And that was eight years ago. And we have finally now come to the end of the line for them. But they got a good eight years of uh, name calling in, I guess. Harry Reid smiles down. It's funny. Uh, you, one of the things I was you know, telling John there about the... Uh, my disdain for this term, our democracy. And um, 
when I, as I sit here and I watch the matrix of Twitter scroll by, and you see how many people on the left use this term for everything. It's 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 like not even they don't even think about it. It's literally parroting, you know. Our democracy, our democracy, our, our democracy. That's all they do. That's all they say on every single issue, and it's just this drumbeat. It's the it's the it's the attempt at a narrative, the calcification of a narrative. So so when I'm looking at this and I'm watching these these people, you know, cry more libs. Uh, <laughs> like next time I see a conservative say blah blah blah, I'm gonna say this. You know, preachy preachy high horse. You know, the tearing of the, the garments here. Um, and everything is always through this this one prism of our democracy. And it's just so lazy. My goodness. Because the way I look at it is, okay, what are their arguments going to be going forward? Right now, everybody's reacting. Everybody's like, yay, or eh, right? So everybody's reacting, and there's not a lot of meat on the bone here of, of arguments, Okay. Because people just know that my team lost or my team won. Now, if you've been listening to this program for the last hour and a half almost, you know a lot more about this topic than probably most of the people commenting, right? Because I've gone over some of the the ruling. We went over the background on this stuff. Now, the reactions that I'm seeing, it's just this my team won or my team lost, but particularly among the the more vocal Twitterers um, on the North Carolina politics hashtag feed, right? This is where they are. This is where we all are talking about North Carolina politics. You can see the narratives develop in real time. To me, this is the most valuable thing about Twitter specifically. You can watch the narratives be born. And what's amazing to me as I watch this messy business, <laughs> it's all just our democracy. That's all it is. They're so flabby intellectual, uh, intellectually. They're so flabby on this. They don't even know how to argue this stuff. They're tr- but you can tell they're trying, right? You can tell that they're trying to figure out some sort of branding around this issue. But because the our democracy thing has apparently you know, gouged such a deep groove in their smooth brains like they cannot break out of it. So deep in the groove are they. They cannot think of another way to express their anger and disappointment. Ah, We didn't get four lawyers to write a law for us. That's what they're arguing, right? I mean, just think about this. Voters said we want voter ID and did so in a landslide fashion years ago, years ago. And their response was to sue. The left's response was to sue. And then they claim the mantle of defenders of democracy. Guys, the democracy voted for it. The democracy said we want it. You're the ones that are trying to undermine democracy. The day that the the four lawyers with the wardrobe change, the day that they wrote the policy, 
that upended the democracy, that's the day that democracy needed defending. That's the day it died. Almost. It was resuscitated. But it's just so funny to watch and to see the amplification occur because they're all like you can tell they're waiting for somebody to tell them what to say. They're 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 on there. They're like, oh, this is bad. This is terrible, 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 terrible. Democracy, democracy. Come on. Is somebody going to make a better argument here? Come on. And they're just waiting for somebody to say something. And that's why they like glom on and amplify. Some, oh, Josh Stein said something. Let me let me retweet that. <laughs> it's not very good. And so I just point out, look. All the people that are screaming about the the sky is falling right now, right? They are attempting to write a narrative. Now, we'll see if it works. We'll see if it works. I don't think it will, though. Voter ID is just too popular. All right. Now, given the state of affairs in our country and the world, are you asking yourself whether you're prepared for an emergency? I actually get asked this a lot. My answer, start at Carolina Readiness Supply, 2,000 square feet of supplies, the full line of Augustine Farms and Mountain House Foods, books, water purifiers, lighting, tools, first aid kits, camping and hiking supplies. Being prepared is just smart. Whether you're an experienced prepper or you have no clue what you're doing or somewhere in between, Carolina Readiness Supply can help. In Waynesville and online at CarolinaReadiness.com, get tickets to the Heritage Life Skills event also. Make a day trip to the mountains and return home fully prepared. Veteran-owned Carolina Readiness Supply. Will you be ready when the lights go out? Got an email here from Dan who says, Creating advantageous voting districts has long been a part of the DNC playbook. If you have ever seen the congressional district in Texas, where Barney Frank got elected forever, or if you've ever taken a look at the South Carolina Congressional District 6, where James Enos Mushmouth Clyburn continues to rule. <laughs> I didn't know that was. Was that his name? I've never heard him referred to as that. Um, you would understand as well. Uh, they are drawn with extraordinary care to include huge pockets of Democrat voters while carefully avoiding any large collections of GOP voters. Both Frank's and Clyburn's congressional districts look like uh, they gave a cat a cup of vodka, dipped his feet in ink, and then let him walk all around on a king-size sheet all over the place. It's one of the oldest strategies. Cheers. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, like Maryland, right now Maryland, they redistricted Maryland during the same cycle 2020, and there are no Republicans anymore up there. They drew them out of every single district. That's the, That's what Democrats call a fair map. And Mark Elias and Eric Holder, in their defense of democracy, you know, they did not, they didn't file lawsuits against Maryland because that was to their advantage, right? That's the way the game is played. I don't like it any more than you do. But that's the game. And uh, that's why I don't believe Democrats when they say that they want, quote, fair maps. I don't believe them when they... Uh, when they complain about, you know, gerrymandering and redistricting and all this. Here's, for example, Charlotte. So the 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 congressional district size is like 850,000, roughly. I'm, I'm just ballparking it. I don't remember the exact number, but it's about 850,000 people. That's the size of a congressional district. In North Carolina, that's the size, right? So you, well, everywhere, right? So you, like, you would divide up the state. We have 10 and a half million people. Right, so we get fourteen of these congressional seats. So each seat's eight hundred, r- roughly eight fifty. Okay, how many people live in Mecklenburg County? That's a little bit less than a million people, if I recall. About a million people. Okay, so how about we draw a district that's Charlotte? Right, 
one congressional district that's Charlotte. I mean, that makes sense, doesn't it? Charlotte has, like, special interests that are unique to itself, right? Charlotte is big enough to have a congressional district. Why would you split it all up? Why would you draw it any differently than the city limit lines? Why not just do that? Why not just have the city of Charlotte have its own congressional member? And then you could attach, you know, along the border uh, areas. For example, um, you know, if you're in West Mecklenburg, you could be connected over into Gaston County, right? If you're to the east, you would go over into what Union County or Cabarrus County or Iredell County, right? You just kind of take those other pieces and carve them off and send them off into those other surrounding areas. Because generally speaking, right, people who are going that far out in the county are trying to flee the city of Charlotte. And they're trying to get into that other county, but they don't want to go too far, you know, commute being what it is. In general, but whatever, like why that you would have much less territory to have to then kind of group with some other areas. So why not make Charlotte its own congressional district? Why not make Raleigh its own congressional district, right? Why not make Asheville? I'm just kidding. You can't do that with Asheville because it's only 90,000 people. But they always think that they're so big. It's so funny. They're like, we we should be our own district. Like, yeah, you got to get like 10 times your size, guys. Anyway, Democrats don't want Charlotte to have its own congressional district. That would be packing. See, there are these terms in the redistricting arguments called cracking and packing, right? Again, like pornography, they'll know it when they see it. So if you try to crack a district or a county or a precinct or neighborhood or area, you're cracking it. So you're you're dividing it up so you can then send a certain number of people. Like let's say, like let's say you've got um, you got a thousand Republicans and they live in this one neighborhood, and you don't want those thousand Republicans to all vote in the same city council district because they could actually then elect somebody. Right. So what do you do? You crack them. You split them into multiple districts. You draw a line through the neighborhood. You send half of them to one district and half of them into another district. And now their power is diluted. Democrats did this forever. Okay. Well, what's packing? Well, packing is where you say, okay, you got you got the thousand Republicans. They live in this one neighborhood uh, and. We know you're going to be able to now influence an election for a city council seat. So tell you what we'll do. We're going to pack you, your thousand, and there's another neighborhood. And it's a little bit down the road there, but we're going to kind of draw a line, much like, you know, the Democrats did up I-85 in order to make that district for Mel Watt uh, that literally was as wide as I-85 in some parts and went all the way up to Greensboro from Charlotte. And so we're going to we're going to connect you in. And so this way, we're just going to load that one district up with every single Republican in the vicinity, right? We're just going to pile them all in there, and this way you get one seat. You can have the one seat, and that's that's it. And that district will be like 95% Republican. But every other district, Democrats will win. And so they'll have the majority on the body, which is what Democrats tried to do, as a matter of fact, in the city council redistricting. What, two years ago, right? Precisely what they attempted to do was to crack and pack. Of course, that's not an attack or an assault on our democracy because that's screwing over Republicans. And that's okay. See, if Republicans lose all representation in local uh, elections or state elections or even national elections, 
That's okay. Those are fair maps. Those are the rules. That's the standard. Um, I think I had another. Hang on a second. I think I had one more comment. I believe I did. Was it a tweet? Yes. Christian said, Democrats keep taking major L's. It's true. It is true. They are. They're taking loss after loss. <laughs> it's awesome. Uh, here's a, it's a Pete tweet from, yeah, I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to say that name. Come on. I'll call you, I'll call you duh, D-A, da, or da. D-A says, I'm sitting here repeating, you say our democracy in my best Winston Churchill voice. <laughs> I don't know why, like, I just, I feel like I have to say it like that because it just, it warrants that kind of gravitas. It's our democracy. It's like you got to like the like the the bottom jaw has to come out, you know, like a what, what would that be called? An underbite, right? Our democracy, a stiff upper lip. Um. Todd says, "Let's not forget who helped achieve this decision." While others on the right are playing checkers, he is playing chess and beating the left at their own game. And then there's a tweet here, oh, from Mark Walker. Uh, six months ago, after a tough loss, we saddled up to work on behalf of our six statewide judicial candidates. Tonight, we celebrate a historic election going 6-0, and flipping the state Supreme Court. Big thanks to so many who made it possible. Oh, there's Michael Stadding. Um, yes, and so Not a Robot says, good news, maybe they can undo the split that let Mecklenburg control large chunks of Gaston and Cabarrus in the state legislature. Yeah. Yeah, like, so like because honestly, like when you, when you have these different standards and, and like you have com- it's you have competing interests and standards at play here. You want to keep counties whole. You don't want to carve them all up, right? But Charlotte, to me, at a congressional level, seems like it makes sense. But then you can't do that because then that's too many Democrats and African American voters in one district, and then you would get sued saying you're trying to dilute their power. So then you're like, we'll spread them all around. No, now you're diluting their power in a different way. <laughs> so there's, it's almost like you can't win. Almost. This is why it's an inherently political process. All right, now you've heard me talk about them. Old Grouch's military surplus. They're expanding with more ways to get your hands on authentic U.S. military surplus items. Go to oldgrouch.com. Check out the links for the online auctions for rare finds and the vintage shop. Unique, really cool items from modern tactical gear to historical collectibles. Tim at Old Grouch's is always finding new stuff. When I started the podcast at the beginning of the pandemic, my first advertiser was Old Grouch's. If you enjoy the show and derive any value from it, I'm hoping that you will consider supporting one of the businesses that make it possible. Lots of gift ideas for that person who loves the military style for fashion or decor. There really is something for everyone at Old Grouch's Military Surplus in beautiful downtown Clyde and online at oldgrouch.com. All right, uh, but Anita Earls, uh, Supreme Court Justice, North Carolina, um, apparently she's getting dragged over a typo where she called it a tenant of our law or something. A tenant T-E-N-A-N-T, a tenant, <laughs> like like a renter. <laughs> and so, yeah, some of the people who are, because this is a national story. People, the, the, the Supreme Court ruling at the state level here has now gone national because of the implications of new drawn, uh, newly drawn maps that will be drawn, I should say. You know, they're going to be drawn. 
and it's going to increase the GOP majority in Congress, in the House. And so uh, a lot of people are taking a look at this ruling. And also it's a Friday, not a lot going on, as far as I can tell. I haven't seen, yeah, I haven't seen any kind of truth socials, truths, what do they call them, from Trump? I'm not on the platform, so I don't know. Um, Yeah. By the way, lawmakers are looking to relax some of the laws for teen drivers. For 25 years, teenagers in North Carolina have received driver's licenses gradually under a system designed to give them more freedom as they get more experience behind the wheel. Now, lawmakers want to relax two requirements under that system. Which I'm sure will, well, I don't know. So this is by Richard Straddling at the News and Observer, who, who you know, subjectively opines here that this will please teenagers. And I'm not actually so sure this will please teenagers. There are a lot of teenagers that do not want to, they're, they're not learning to drive. They don't want to learn how to drive. They don't want to drive. Right? It's the darnest thing. I don't understand it. Like, when we were... When I was a teenager, that was freedom. But I mean, I grew up in a suburb, so like that's how you got out. First, it was the bicycle, so I can get out of the you know neighborhood. I can get out of the house. I could ride up to the gas station and get my bubble gum and cards. Well, back then, the, the, the bubble gum came in the pack of cards. I mean, it was terrible gum. Terrible gum. But that's all we had. That's all we had back then. It was cardboard spray-painted with some sort of flavoring. And it was stuffed inside with the other cardboard cards. Sometimes if you, I mean, if some of that flavoring rubbed off, you, you, you wouldn't, sometimes you would end up eating, you know, I don't know, you, Roger Clemens card. You wouldn't even realize it. You just, just chewing on it and realize, oh my gosh, this was Roger Clemens rookie card. Dang it. You know? Um, anyway, so like that's for me, like you get the car, you're out, you know? Uh, I was saving money mowing lawns and stuff and. Uh, answering phones at the church. I was doing all sorts of stuff to make money so I could then buy my first car, which actually never ran because I bought a lemon. It was yellow, too, coincidentally enough. Um, The House and Senate have sent a bill to Governor Ray Cooper that would reduce the amount of time a teenager must drive under the supervision of a parent or guardian before gaining a provisional license. Except during the COVID-19 pandemic, North Carolina has required teenagers to have a so-called learner's permit for 12 months before you move up to a provisional license and you get more freedom. So now this is going to change that from 12 months to nine months. Three months might not seem like a lot, but it is a lifetime. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, to a teenager. But lawmakers are tinkering with a system that has helped prevent countless teen crashes, injuries, and deaths, according to Natalie O'Brien, a researcher at the UNC Highway Safety Research Center in Chapel Hill. Quote, we know that crashes are a leading cause of death for teens, and the reason uh, teenagers crash is a lack of experience. Well, that in the texting. And so anything we do to provide them with less practice is detrimental. I don't know if I agree with this, uh, because uh, like the time frame is not necessarily the, the relevant thing for me. It's the amount of time that you're driving, right? I understand that the longer period of time you have, chances are you're going to be driving more than if you have a shorter period of time. However, I drove a lot. Like, I learned to drive. I went and high, like, I went, I did my classroom instruction, did the road instruction as part of the public school offering. I then went out and hired 
uh, a guy with a car with brake pedals on both sides and stuff. And it was, you know, it was like a driving instructor. I hired like a separate guy, a couple hundred bucks, and I got to drive his car on my um, on my road test. Right, I, I did extra instruction because I was so adamant I was going to pass my road test. I was going to get my uh, my permit as early as possible. So I did a lot of driving. So I don't I don't I mean I get their argument, but I also think if you, you know, people who are super motivated to drive, they're gonna they're gonna get the hours in. You know, um, the main sponsor of the Senate Bill 157, Republican Senator Vicki Sawyer of Iredell County, said she was responding to requests from teenagers and their parents. And that shortening the learner permit to nine months brings us now uh, more in line with South Carolina and Virginia. It also increases the number of young passengers a teen with a limited provisional license can carry if they're going to or from school. So right now, if you're unsupervised, you're not allowed to have more than one unrelated passenger under the age of 21 in your car. Under the bill, you would get two. Two people which I was in violation of <laughs> most of my most of my high school career. Um, what else? The bill passed with bipartisan support. Um, do, 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 in six months. Uh, Sawyer's legislative assistant noted that while the bill would reduce the learner's permit period, it would not change the number of hours of supervised driving teenagers must document. So, all right, well, let's see. You know, that, to me, that, that's fair. That's a fair trade-off. Parents still get the last word, though. That's Yep, parents are free to extend their child's time under a learner's permit if they think their child needs the longer supervision, which, wait a minute, parents get a say? Why can't the school just hide this information from their parents, right? I mean, if they can hide a kid that's transitioning, why, why can't they hide this?